Welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out of this world conversations with extraordinary people. Today, I am so excited to have my new friend, Aurora Serafine on. Let me tell you about her. She is amazing. Aurora Serafine is an integrative, holistic healing practitioner and founder of Divine Alchemy Temple Arts. She wears many hats, including intuitive coach, deep trance sound healer, conscious musician, vocal activator, channel, massage therapist, Reiki master, essential oil alchemist, certified hypnotist, theta healer, medical intuitive, and more. With a lifelong sensitivity to energy in the other realms, she naturally gravitated toward the healing arts. In 2007, she founded a healing and training center for subtle energy practices and vibrational medicine techniques. She practices many modalities of massage and body work as an LMT and practices and teaches advanced energy work techniques. Aurora also practices several forms of hypnosis. With her unique education and personal practices, she also developed a sound healing technique called Sonoluminous Divine Entrainment. Aurora is also a writer, speaker, mama of two, and an advocate for organic high vibe living and spirit-directed pregnancy and birth. It is Aurora's commitment to align with the inner divine to support herself and others in becoming the most tuned in, radiant versions of themselves, awakened to the reality of heaven on earth. Wow. <laughs> What an incredible woman you are with so many talents and skills. So um, I guess to start, like, I, tell us first how you grew up, because I always like asking that question because it's really interesting, the guests that I have on the show. Yeah. Some of them came from, you know, atheist backgrounds. Some came from really extreme religious backgrounds. So, yeah, tell us about you. Yeah, well, thank you. And thank you for such an amazing introduction. And um, thank you so much for having me on. I'm just so excited to be here and to to play in these realms. Um, so my background was really interesting. I grew up in the Fort Worth area in Texas in a pretty um, straight laced Southern Baptist household. Um, both my parents, well, my, my mom grew up Catholic. There was a lot of Catholicism in our family's history. Um, so that was definitely steeped within, um, I don't know, our, our history and um, kind of the roots of what I grew up in. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, things just kind of slowly migrated through time. And um, it went from that to, um, well, I mean, I had a lot of really um, pivotal and mind blowing and heart opening experiences from a very young age from um, feeling energy, being extremely empathic, um, having experiences of seeing and feeling spirits, having contact experiences at a very young age. So, you know, in a tight you know, tight knit, straight laced Southern Baptist household that didn't really fit into the box very well. Right. Um, however, one benefit I will say is that my parents never really shut it down. They were never really like, no, that's wrong or I don't believe you or anything like that. So it, I never closed that door. Okay. So um, many people do, right? Yeah. 
And when, so when you would have these experiences, you actually then would share it with your parents? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. And in fact, I would share it with some of my friends and it wasn't until like years down the road that I realized, oh, most people my age aren't having these experiences. <laughs> right. And the feedback that I'm getting is like, uh, what? You know, like it just, it just didn't fit into that, that mold of what society was trying to tell us mm -hmm. was the norm, you know? So I found out very quickly, I mean, as a kid, it was just, instead of shutting that muscle down, it kind of turned into, um, what I chose to speak about and what I chose not to speak about in front of certain people, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. but the experiences were still happening doors were still being kind of blasted open literally and metaphorically. And, um, and you know, that's, that's the beginning. That's the, my beginnings. <laughs> well, so can you just share maybe one or two of those experiences that were really, um, I guess, pivotal in the, in your childhood? Oh, for sure. Um, so one of my earliest memories is, um, is actually like being taken from my bed and then being dropped back into my bed. So I know a lot of people say that they have experiences of um, having a dream where they're falling and then you feel like you're falling as you're waking up. Yeah. So it was like that, except I actually woke up before my body fully hit the bed and I can remember falling into my bed. So it was as if my physical body was actually taken somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I was literally not just like my etheric body and just having right. a spiritual experience but that my physical body had gone somewhere that I couldn't recall. And then I was just being like dropped back in, but I would wake up before that would fully happen. And so that was my experience of just going boom. Um, other things that would happen around that time. And, you know, some of these started probably before I can remember, but I can remember them happening as, as young as like three and four years old. Um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, some of my siblings were having similar experiences too. Um, so I knew that when this stuff was showing up, I wasn't alone. Yeah. Um, but another thing that would happen is, is that sometimes I would get this feeling kind of like butterflies in my stomach. And this would happen usually at night when I was getting ready to go to bed. And so I would, you know, my sister was one of these, we shared a room as kids and she would always fall asleep before me. So she'd be asleep in like five minutes. And here I am, you know, because of the experiences that I've had so often, and it, it was like all of the time, it was happening like multiple times a week sometimes where I'd have these sort of encounters. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would sometimes stay awake in bed, just waiting for something to happen. And then sometimes I can remember um, the bed would start to like vibrate and, um, not like poltergeisty, but just like the feeling of the energy was heightening and there was something like something's about to happen and you can feel it kind of like that sort of psychedelic feeling come over you where you're like, Oh, here we go. Something's about to happen. And I felt this sort of like magnetic feeling that I could feel throughout my entire body and it was like the molecules in the room would start to shift and um, things that were like metal would like I had these knobs on on our um, on our dresser drawers mm -hmm. and they were like the little door knocker kind of knobs. And I can remember those literally flipping upside down okay. and just staying there. Yeah. 
And then things, you know, things were, that were hanging from my ceiling would start to spin in the room. But the thing was, is that it wasn't like the movie It or, or something where you're like, oh, you know, where it's like where it feels scary or, you know, it wasn't that kind of a feeling. It was kind of like an elation, a little bit of nervousness, some excitement and also like a familiarity. Okay. Yeah. So, so those are a couple, you know, experience, you know, examples of the types of experiences that I would have as a kid. Is and those are pretty extreme compared to most stories that people have. The yeah. fact that you were actually consciously aware that it was going on, because most yeah. people, you know, when they are experiencing that, either as kids or adults, they're, you know, it's getting filed to their subconscious mind. <laughs> so did you know what it was at the time? that was doing this? So as a kid, I think the only real piece of relatability that I had was just knowing that it was, I was being checked in on. Mm. I knew I was being checked in on and I didn't understand who it was completely, but it felt like a reassuring and like calming feeling it wasn't i mean while there were those kind of nerves that would come up that was more like it was like an excitement okay um but i didn't have a way to describe it at that point just that it, i knew it felt familiar but i didn't know how and i didn't know why okay so then i guess that those experiences, did they then lead into even more experiences in teenage and adulthood or did things start to change? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So things, um, and I think that, you know, especially people that are dealing with, um, um, you know, those kinds of open doors and channels at such a young age, if you keep those open, when you get into, you know, puberty age, and that when your kundalini starts to activate and turn on, then, you know, unless something happens where you're startled and you shut it down, that stuff just kind of continues to expand. And that was what I experienced myself. So I had made a pretty big move from living in Texas at that time to moving across the country to Wisconsin. So that was a major that was a major pivotal point. And of course, also just weather-wise, like, where am I? <laughs> Why am I so cold? And um, so the cool thing about where I moved to was that um, the, the county that I grew up in once I moved at, at 12 years old mm -hmm. um, is home to at one point over 800 mounds and there's a whole, this is like a conversation for another time. But, um, but what I found was being in that location with so many different sacred sites. And as well as there's like, there's a lake there. That's a very sacred lake that the indigenous call it spirit lake. Okay. Um, and then there's a megalithic structure there as well. That's called spirit doorway. So little did I know, I just happened upon this like Mecca, this tiny Mecca of sacred sites in the Midwest. And so it was like an activation, you know, portal for me to be stepping into at that young age. And one of my favorite things to do as a teenager, um, was to go hiking up to the doorway and back. So I was going to this portal 
not realizing what it was yeah like once a week and so i just continued to have these experiences um and by that time i was no longer i mean as a kid i went between private school and homeschooling and then we moved to wisconsin i was in public school at this point and then i had access to libraries where it was beyond like christian school teaching material okay. so i was like so I just started studying everything that I could get my hands on from, you know, um, herbs, essential oils, all different modalities of healing, quantum physics, um, all, all kinds of magic and alchemy and you name it. Like I was just, what's going on? Who am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? Um, so I just had my feelers in every direction being constantly activated in this, in this location, um, and by the land and, um, and then having these continuous experiences where I'd be woken up in the middle of the night by these beings, or, um, I'd have these experiences of, um, seeing things on my parents' property, like pretty regularly. And then having these experiences of seeing lights in the sky and having them be like, like pretty close. Okay. You know, and then having like moments of missing time as well that happened later on as I got a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Um later in my later teens, uh closer to my 20s, having just a few moments like that where I where I was like, okay, what happened? What happened there? I know something more was there. Right. And not really being able to explain it until later on in my life. So okay. This is all fascinating. And I mean, yeah, so the stories that you shared with me when we first met, I mean, you you could write books and books on your experiences. <laughs> so, um, okay. So then I guess let's fast forward to your 20s. Yeah. Because um, you've had interesting experiences in your 20s. But I, and also I want to hear the Mount Shasta, New Mexico story. Okay. That you shared with me. Okay. Um, all right. So, so where do I go from there? Um, so as I approached my twenties, I think I was about 19 and things started to shift for me. I, I kind of, in my later teens, you know, dip my toes into some exploration that was kind of, you know, adolescent. And then by like 19, I was like, I'm done with that. I just really want to crack open this mystery of the universe. Like that's really all I cared about. And so it didn't take me long to kind of decide what my priorities were and what I was really focused on. So by age 19, um, I'd already been doing energy work since I was a kid and just didn't really fully understand what it was. The only thing that the only piece of like relatability that I had at that point was knowing like, Oh, I'm doing what Jesus did. Okay you know, because of my Christian background, that was the only thing I could relate it to. And then when I found out things like, you know, the word, um, the, I think it was the, the Hebrew or the Aramaic word in the Bible for what he did, um, was tecton, which means hand worker. And I'm like, oh, he did energy work. Like people are so attached to this whole carpenter thing. And I'm like, that may be true. But so when those pieces started to click in for me, I was like, 
oh, well, that is, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So no matter what modality is you're, pra you're practicing, you know, if it's Reiki or matrix centered, you know, whatever the title is of whatever it is you're doing, it's all related. Yeah. So, so I really got clear on that and was really drawn to find a school where I could practice massage therapy that had a, a big highlight on um, energy work. Cause I was really drawn to that. And it was like so powerful in my body mm -hmm. that I knew this was part of what I was here to share. And I felt like part of what those experiences were also igniting in me when I was having those types of encounters, it was like, I was having, you know, these sort of like ignitions happening or upgrades happening. And I would have these experiences, especially at that age, where I would have these beings come in and they would talk to me and they would bring me symbols. I had, I had these meetings, I think it was like age 19, 20, where I was having these um, visitations from Thoth. Okay. And so Thoth would come in and start to, and I didn't even know who it was at first. Okay. So I tell people who Thoth is. So, so Thoth, has shown up in many different forms throughout many different cultures throughout time. Um, if you see him, um, his Egyptian depiction uh, would be him as like this ibis headed bird. And so mm -hmm. he's known as the scribe. Um, he taught mathematics. He taught alchemy, um, different healing arts. Um, really just an amazing teacher, an amazing mentor, an amazing being, and throughout time has been known by different names, including um, Hermes. Okay. So, um, so I had encounters with him between that time, like 1920, maybe even 21 for a while. And he would show me these symbols and they sort of appeared they kind of look like constellations for lack of a better way to describe it. Okay. And even to this day, like all of these pieces, I just have learned to keep notebooks and write things down because I'll get like little drops of information here and there. And over the years, I've been able to put these dots together and then thank God for the internet. Right. Because <laughs> we're able to look some of these things up and right. realize like, Oh, that's what they're referring to. Cause some of these things are words I'd never even heard of, mm -hmm. you know, but this was like information that was coming through. Like he told me about Heliopolis and like, you know, part of my, some of my initial incarnations on the planet that um, there's so much information. It's like, it's, it's really like book worthy to, you know, go into all of the details, but um, and then even some of it, was him describing different free energy devices. And I know that that's like a, a loaded term for some people, um, but that are based on essentially magnetics. Mm -hmm. So there's, that was a pretty pivotal um, point again, was having those types of interactions and, and going from kind of not knowing how to process everything just to, I think part of my journey also has just been learning how to, drop into that heart space just like deeper and deeper and deeper and just going into deeper and deeper states of surrender constantly because it's easy to feel overwhelmed or confused by information and not really understanding everything that's showing up or that that's being given to you 
but it's like learning how to be in that space of trust so that more is given and more is explained and that then the clarity comes online. So to fast forward a little bit, I ended up finding finding a school that was like an amazing synchronistic piece because that was a huge part of my transformation and found an amazing woman named Michaela, who is the founder of this school, amazing teachers, every single one of them. And um, it was so perfect because this school taught Reiki, the school taught all these Eastern modalities and Um, The philosophy was all about inner transformation first, which is to do your own work to, you know, before you show up for other people to facilitate. So it was like exactly what I needed. And it really ignited that. So by age 20, I had already propelled myself through all of the Reiki curriculum and practices and had committed to being a Reiki master. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. So 20, 20 year old Reiki master, just like, all right, now I'm going out West. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, living in the Midwest, you're just so, you're just like under this umbrella sometimes. Yeah. Um, And, you know, unless you're just really connecting with the right people, um, there's like pockets of enlightenment, you know, or I know that's kind of a loaded word too, but. No, I get it. Cause I lived in the Midwest for different parts of my life and yeah, very different than the West coast. <laughs> oh yeah, for yeah. sure. For just, 30 years. <laughs> so, yeah. They just have a way of like slowly migrating from the West coast inland. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I, I just at one point had felt like a real calling to go specifically to the Southwest. And I, I didn't really know why. So at one time um, I ended up making my way. I thought I was going to move to Sedona. This was like my thought. Well, I packed up my car and my partner at the time and I drove out West and went to Sedona and we're like, man, it's expensive here. (laughs) And my brother was um, in Utah at the time. So we ended up, we ended up landing in Utah, but then I ended up meeting some people that were like, it was, everything happens for a reason. So it was like the perfect synchronicity that led me eventually to the following year, um, going out to Mount Shasta for this retreat. So Um, so I end up going to this retreat in Mount Shasta and, um, my, my intention to the universe at the time was that this trip was all about really finding more of the truth of who I was and to embody the frequency of what was my divine blueprint, like what source had there for me. Like what source was asking me to embody. So, so that was my intention. So I got on this trip and it's just synchronicity after synchronicity, just one thing leading to another. And um, one of the things that happened was, I guess part of it was, is that I wanted to change my name, my birth name, while I love my parents Mm-hmm. Just vibrationally never felt right to me. And so that was part of like embodying a new vibration. And so I just really like opened myself up to receive that. 
And so everywhere I went, and this is no joke, this happened like 13 different times, which has, that's been like a huge number for me for some okay. reason. 13. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I'm born on the 13th. Okay. Well, I, it's, you know, it's a magical goddess number, right? Yeah. <laughs> so 13 moons, like, so, oh my gosh. So there's, there's so much about that. And I, I had like a whole past life recall that came full circle on that adventure too, which that's like, again, it's like a story for another time. But um, so I get out there and I end up having these encounters where either people start calling me Aurora that have never met me before. Mm-hmm. Or at one time I had gone to this music festival um, in Southern Oregon and I'm standing around and this guy is standing there and he's just kind of like leaning back on a tree and he's looking at me for like 20, 25 minutes. And I'm like, who is this guy? What is going on? So finally, like, and at the time I was just super like open and, and just really had a lot of gumption. So I go up to this guy and I probably still would do that now, but I, so I go up to this guy and I'm like, hi, I noticed you were (laughs) noticing me. Um, I know that sounds weird. Was there something like, is there something that we need to like talk about? Or like, I just feel like there's some, some kind of information here. And he's like, I don't mean to sound weird, but I just finished a book and it's, um, it's this novel and you remind me so much of the, one of the main characters. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, uh, I forget what he said. He, He was like telling me that, um, that basically one of the main characters in his story when he had imagined this character, she looked exactly like me, like okay. in his mind. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'm like, what, what was her name? Yeah. Aurora. So I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I think I had gone to some hot springs, you know, all the things that you do when you're on your first like spiritual pilgrimage. Right. Um, and I had somebody come up to me in one of the hot springs and call me Aurora, a woman I had never met. She wasn't even from the States. And I was like, okay. And then it happened. I mean, I was seeing signs everywhere with Aurora on it. And then I get to, um, I get to, I get to the bus station and I'm getting ready to go home. I had been out there for over a month and had so many amazing experiences. Um, I had um, some of the experiences, so I'll get back to the bus station, but just to like um, rewind for a second. Some of the most amazing experiences were in Panther Meadows, just hiking and camping in the meadow. Um, Being up there, especially in the evening when, when, because there's like no light pollution at all. And so this is in like 2009. So at the time it was so quiet. There weren't a lot of people up there. And um, 
I just remember having these experiences and the person that I was camping with, one of my friends who I had just met on this trip um, was just wowed because he, he was like, I've never seen, um, I've never seen a UFO before. I'm like, really? I see them all the time. <laughs> and he's like, really? Can, could you see one now? I'm like, sure. So I just showed him how, you know, you could sort of like relax your gaze, just like open your heart and just call them and just be like, hi, family. Like, here I am. And they would show up. And so I had this experience and now they didn't come like land right in front of us or anything like that, but you, they would, you know, come down so that you could see, you know, at a pretty significant level that these were craft and that they were moving in such a way that it didn't make sense. You know, that right. they definitely weren't like planes or, or, um, satellites. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there was all that kind of stuff happening and, it was very, um, it was so quantum, right? I guess that's just the best word to use is that I was really just aware that like the universe is not what we think it is. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so much more um, malleable and responsive to our thoughts and our feelings, you know, and our intentions. And you know, that we're really on the same playing field as we are with these other beings who, you know, so many times we want to kind of put them on a pedestal as if they're above us because they're in some higher dimension. But the messages that I kept receiving from them was stop holding us above you. You have to realize we are allies, mm -hmm. we're equals, we're partners. And where my breath ends, yours begins. So, yeah. That's such a potent message because I think that a lot of people do who believe in those other dimensional beings and have had the experiences do put them at that higher level, but they are, they're us. We are them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think if there's one thing that we can really like take away from those types of experiences, it's to remember that. Mm -hmm. And I think when we shift our perception around that, that it actually invites more of that into our reality because we realize that it's not something that's far reaching and inaccessible, that it's, it's here yeah. because they are what we are. Yeah. You know? And like you said, they are us and we are them. Like there's really no separation because in terms of consciousness, there's really mm -hmm. only one of us here. Right. Exactly. So so back to I'm I'm standing at the bus station and all of this all of this amazing adventure had taken place and um there's another really cool story in there but I I'll come back to it if we have time. Um and I'm standing there and I end up striking up a conversation with someone who's got a guitar on his back because I've also I grew up in a very musical family all of my my whole family plays music. Um, and so I've been singing since I could talk basically. And, um, so music is definitely like in my blood. So, so I'm like, Oh, guitar, let's talk, let's talk music. So I start talking with this guy and introduce myself as my birth name. And then this other guy comes up and 
unsuspecting, like he doesn't look like some kind of cosmic being. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, he just looks like kind of a, a young guy, backpacker, um, just really unsuspecting, like total looks like an earthling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then he walks up to me, starts like, looks directly into my eyes and starts telling me, I don't even, honestly, I don't even remember what it was that he was saying. I just remember the fact that he was calling me Aurora at the beginning and at the end of each sentence incessantly. Okay. And I'm like, like, that's all I could really like take in was the fact that he was doing this and that he was calling me Aurora. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, so at the end of it, he leans over into my ear and he put, you know, he puts his hand up like this and he whispers Pleiadian. And then he walks away. Okay. I'm like, what was that? <laughs> So, so that was pretty trippy. So there were many years there for a while that I was like, so was he telling me that he was Pleiadian or that that was a message from the Pleiadians or that I'm somehow connected? I don't know, you know? And so I just, you know, and things like that, we have to take with a grain of salt in some ways mm -hmm. because, you know, also, I guess one of the things that's really occurred to me over the many years too, is that I believe that we're all star seeds. We're all hybrids in some way um, because this, this earth is so, such a myriad and mix and blend of amazing consciousness and gifts and abilities. And even like, you know, we all, we, there are so many different, um, blood types and things like that, that you're like, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. I've actually been writing about that in my book. Um, it's almost ready <laughs> to go to Yay. edit. Yeah, Cause I'm, I'm very interested in evolution. I, you know, I'm a former evolutionary biologist and human evolution is something I didn't study in my, um, in school. But it's always been a huge question because there's always been the missing links and then knowing about our ancient alien astronaut visitors and yeah. all of that. And now understanding some of my part in that as well um, from the cedar genetic manipulation side of things. It's been really interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That is such a deep rabbit hole. But I feel like mm -hmm. it's one that if we don't if we don't explore it, we're really missing out on the truth of where we've come from, Yeah, you know, as a planet, you yeah. know, and it's, so it's important to, you know, take note of our galactic roots and, and do as much investigation as humanly possible because, and not just investigation in terms of, you know, I think it's important to read and investigate into certain, um, texts and scripture and things like that, which I'm very interested in um, and have been my whole life. Like, you know, it started out just a fascination for the Bible. And then I, once that expanded, I realized like the Vedas, the Upanishads, you know, um, some of the old Sumerian texts, like mm -hmm. it's just steeped in all of it. Um, so, but even beyond that, 
you know, getting into both like the mental educational aspect and also the inner educational aspect, which is really like turning that part off momentarily mm-hmm. to be able to receive from within that truth, because yeah. that is, I think that's the key to lock all of this information into place because it, it gives us all of those missing pieces. And that's, that's what, that's what my experience has been is, um, you know, moving on into, into my twenties was like learning, or I should say remembering, cause really that's what we're doing. Um, how to tune into these states of, you know, some people refer to it as like theta or delta or even gamma states, um, where your, your, your brain kind of goes into this heart brain coherence mm-hmm. mechanism where you kind of switch your ego mind sort of switches off and your sort of like supra consciousness God brain is connected to something much bigger than you, the body, the identity. Yeah. And so that's, what's really like propelled me into a lot of the work that I do, like with hypnosis, for example, it's not so much for me about breaking bad habits or even, I mean, the past life regression to me is really fascinating and I feel it can be extremely healing, Mm -hmm. but to me, the most juicy part of the hypnosis is connecting directly to source consciousness to that higher aspect of you and to bring that information through that's sort of been like waiting in your vibrational funnel of like i'm just gonna i'm gonna hang out here until they're ready and then when they choose to take a break from social media and from all the distractions then i've got a big download for them when they're ready but they have to say yes and they have to open and soften and surrender. And so that's been a lot of my journey is like learning um, or, or again, remembering that, you know, many of these states and these contact experiences that I've had have happened by just getting into this state of sort of like relaxing where you soften your gaze and you go into trance. It's like you're meditating, but with your eyes open. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that the sort of matrix that we know becomes very like malleable and encounters can arise that seem like they are impossible, but they're so not. So can you describe to the people listening what that looks like for you when you're doing the soften the gates? Because that's something that I learned years ago at my spiritual school as well. And we could see things. I mean, basically we were, I guess, elevating our vibration, but like the veil would just disappear and you could see through that. Yes. So what I could liken it to is um, when you're a kid and this, so it's, I'm going to tell you, it's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing um, as when you're a kid and you kind of space out but we get so accustomed to our parents, our teachers, whoever saying, hey, pay attention. <laughs> Stop spacing out. But the thing is, you're literally creating space, creating spaciousness within your cells, within your atoms, within your molecules to receive more of the information, more of the energy that's actually present between the veil and between dimensions. Otherwise, we're just sort of like 
uh, we're too uptight as yeah. a as a species. We're too uptight and we're too densely packed together. And so you have to soften, allow yourself to breathe and create the spaciousness. And to, so to, to soften your gaze, it's like, it's like the paintings or the portraits that you see of the Buddhas where, you know, their eyes are kind of like this, mm-hmm. you know, that, and you're like, are they high? No, <laughs> I mean, on life, but yeah. it's, it's, there's this sort of softening of the gaze where kind of like, I don't know if you remember doing this as a kid or if it was just me, but just where you get into that, that moment of spacing out or relaxing and you're not paying attention to any one thing in particular, but you're kind of looking past thing, kind of like one of those, um, find the hidden pictures. Yes. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so things show up, like you may start to notice colors that you didn't notice were there before, like you're picking up on auric fields, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you may start to hear music that you're like, yeah. just, it sounded like an angel choir there for a second, you know, or just, or it could be even something totally random. Sometimes our guides may speak to us in this language of pop culture radio you know, and so we might have this song drop in and you're going to just pass it off and be like, oh, I'm going to discount that because it's just something I've heard a million times when really your guides are like, no, pay attention to the lyrics. We're trying to tell you something. Yeah. So um, that reminds me that the song that always pops in um, just randomly is um, Olivia Newton-John's Magic from the oh, Zayn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. Anyway. And the lyrics are amazing. <laughs> Yeah, 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 there you go. The audience will appreciate your sharing of that. And yeah, don't discount the music. <laughs> don't discount the music and don't discount even like, so, and this is something that I tell clients all the time is like, um, because this is kind of how I approach the hypnosis thing is really like walking people through that portal or that gateway to reignite the Oracle within you know, because it's all about remembering the truth of who you are, you know? And so, you know, and and another thing, like in that relaxed gaze state, I was going to mention too, was um, where, you know, if you can stare at something and it seems like it's almost moving, it's Mm -hmm. sort of like waves back and forth. You can kind of see that. And you're like, oh, it's just my eyes playing tricks on me. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyhow, um, did you want me to share about the New Mexico thing? Well, so yeah, so this to me, um, I mean, everything that you're talking about is just, it, it's fascinating. I've had some experiences, but like, I just love hearing your stories and the New Mexico thing though, and the connection with your mom with that, it it might help, help put into perspective, like some of these um, gifts that you just full on came in to be, right? Yeah. So, okay. So, um, I think it was in, so it was after the Mount Shasta adventure and I had a friend that I was traveling with and we decided we're going to travel around and do these self mastery workshops together. And so that's what we were doing. And, um, that had taken us through New Mexico. 
So we had gone through Taos at one point. I don't remember if, so I don't remember what the, if it was before or after, but anyway, we're on highway 40 and the night is coming and I'm driving and I just have this sense and we have like half a tank of gas, but for some reason I'm like, I need to go to the gas station. And it was like late spring, nothing out of the ordinary, but I just had this feeling like I needed to stop. And of course, if you've ever been on Highway 40 in New Mexico, you know that there are very long stretches of road where there is nothing. <laughs> so even if you think you have enough gas, it's always good to stop if you have the chance. <laughs> so I go and I stop at the gas station and then my friend takes over driving. And um, we start going down the road and we're not down the road like even three miles or something. And suddenly it starts to snow and not just like a little snow. It's like big, like, like big fluffy, like cotton ball kind of snow, like heavy, dense snow. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I I've had some like intense driving experiences with snow and especially in that car that I was driving. So, and my friend was driving, which was making me able, you know, a little bit more nervous. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to be on the road right now. And suddenly everybody that was on the highway or the interstate at that time um, starts to slow down to a crawl and it just stops people just stop moving. So it was like my intention of like, I don't want to be driving right now. Mm -hmm. like immediate manifestation. Okay. We'll, we'll help. We'll fix that for you. So I'm like, okay. But meanwhile, the snow is like visibly piling up. Like you could like watch it as it was getting bigger yeah. and uh, steeper. And I'm just like, wow. Um, what's happening here? Like how what's I had no idea what was going to happen because this was like, gosh, I don't know. It was maybe like nine o'clock at night or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, and slowly, but surely the highway just fills up with cars. This snow piles up and there's this weird kind of light. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced it before, um, growing up you know, or being in the Midwest. Um, but, um, when there's like moonlight or something that you can see that's like above the clouds, but it's like, there's still a blanket of clouds. And so all the clouds appear like white, like it's lighting up from above. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the experience that I was, that I was seeing like above me. And so the snow and everything was like illuminated, but there's no streetlights anywhere. And so I'm just watching this happen. And, um, you know, nobody gets out of their vehicle for like, I don't know, it was like two hours. And at that point I was like, I had to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to like break this cycle. I'll be the first one to get out and let people know it's okay. I know you got to go just do what you got to do. So I did that. And then it was, it was like set off a chain reaction of people, you know, going out and going to the bathroom, finding a, a private corner of, of the earth in the snow. And and then coming back, but still like when people came back into their vehicles, it was like, there was this other period of stillness again that occurred. And it was like this whole, like some kind of still point happened where there was just no action, nothing was happening. And it felt like 
a lot of missing time because it was like from probably between midnight and one in the morning. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was, it had to have been somewhere in between there that it just like, I don't remember sleeping because I just felt like there was so much energy, but then all I remember was like, suddenly it's like six o'clock in the morning. Okay. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know, I don't, it was just, it had happened. It was like this whole time-lapse thing had happened, but I knew that during that time there was something, I felt like the whole, you know, moonlight effect was mm-hmm. that there was some kind of bigger presence that was with us at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't fully, I wasn't fully registering. I just felt like, maybe my angelic team or, but the thing is, you know, come to find out years down the road that that whole experience of like the angelics and the ETs, they're in many ways, very woven together. Yes. So, um, so anyway, six o'clock rolls around, the sun's out, the snow's melting and people start driving on like nothing happened. I go into a gas station. There was like this little diner or something and we end up getting breakfast and um, I get back on the road and I call my mom. I just, I'm one of those, I have to talk to my mom like all the time. So I call my mom, my mom, you're never going to guess what just happened. And so I told her what happened that we were stuck on the road all night and that there was this kind of like eerie silence and still point and there was just like this whole gap and whatever and um she's like where are you again and i'm like i'm on highway 40 between i forget you know albuquerque and whatever um i don't know but there's a you know yeah that stretch there and um so she's like did I ever tell you the story about when we saw a craft on Highway 40? And I'm like, well, like I'd remembered something really vaguely, but she had never really gone into a lot of detail about it before. So I was like, okay, well, I'm open to hearing, you know, more. So, so tell me, tell me what your experience was. And she was like, well, um, after your brother was born, your dad and I went on vacation as my older brother. Um, and, um, my mom had also gotten very sick after my brother was born and basically told, you know, the doctors said she would never have kids again. That's a whole other story for another conversation as well. But basically she had, um, had this breakthrough moment where spirit was, had, you know, kind of come through directly and said, um, well, you know, asked, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And so even though my mom was in that container of like the Southern Baptist, you know, paradigm at that time, she wasn't rigid enough that she was really like clinging too tightly to dogma. She was still very like spiritually open. Okay. So, um, so she heals her body, um, walks away from modern medicine and never turned back. And they wrote her off as a religious fanatic. So, um, so I'm not around yet. And she goes and they take this trip out to New Mexico and they're on highway 40 and they're suddenly aware they're driving. Uh, I think 
the firebird that we had at the time and um this craft as as best as i can remember the story the craft this craft starts following them and they both you know and i mean like down low like close to the car and they're both kind of watching it in the rearview mirror and i think my mom's kind of like doing some of these and mm-hmm. um and my dad's getting really nervous although um you know, my dad, it turns out years later, ended up telling me that he's also had very, like many angelic and contact experiences himself. So all these pieces like fall into place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the whole RH negative bloodline and stuff like that too. So, um, so anyway, um, so this craft comes down and cut like in front of them, And my mom tells me, she's like, all I can remember, and I don't, and see, I don't think that my dad could really remember what happened either, other than it came down in front of them and they stopped the car and my mom leans forward into the fetal position to hide underneath the glove box because she was just kind of like, oh my God, what's happening, right? And so they go and then they, they don't really remember what happened after that. So I don't know where it picked up where they just started driving again, business as usual. Like they don't, they don't remember. I don't remember the the story, you know, any clearer than that is that, you know, at one moment she just did that. And then, and then it was like this whole, you know, the whole poof thing that kind of happens when they come in and then something happens and then you don't need to remember that now. It's okay. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, they um, come back through after they were, when they were on their way back leaving and they were on their way back to Texas at the time. And on that same exact stretch of road where the craft was, there was this big stretch of road where there were like burn marks on the highway okay. from, where, from where the craft had been. So um Fast forward, I was just telling my mom about um, my recollection of my conversation with this story. And she said that I wasn't conceived immediately after that, but that it was it was later on. So but still, the fact that that had happened, that the doctors told her she would never have kids again. She went through this miraculous recovery. There was obviously some kind of connection. And you know, like they were starting to check in with her, like, okay, we're going to start, you know, having some influence with you. And even possibly, you know, this is totally just like assumption on my part. But from everything that I've experienced, I believe that there was some kind of genetic experimentation, and that there's always that possibility, you know, that when beings come in, and they go, you know, we want to carry on our lineage as well. They pick certain parents and they go, okay, this is an appropriate couple. We'll, you know, inject our DNA or mm-hmm. our consciousness or whatever to be born into these bodies. And so then I came along. So okay. I, um, I have a feeling that that is something that has happened to me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could get that. Yeah. So, um, okay. 
because we are getting close to the end of time. Yes. <laughs> One of the, and this, I mean, again, you have so many stories. So at some point I would love to have you back on because there's just, I mean, so many other places we can go with yeah. this to, um, you know, have people remember like who they are and what, what they are. So what is the most profound experience that you've had with higher consciousness? So, so far in my life, um, and there's been, there's been many, there, there have been many sort of aha moments. Um, but I think one that directly relates to how I show up in the world in my particular offerings is the healings that I've had directly, like happened through me when I was a teenager, uh, when I was a late teen and I started getting into energy work. Um, before I'd gotten there, I'd gone through a period of really deep depression and healed myself of depression. And, you know, doctors want to tell you all of these things that you're always going to be on medication for the rest of your life and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And, but one of the things that was a big aha for me was just remembering the fact that, you know, I was depressed because I wasn't fully satisfied with the paradigm I was living in and that, you know, I wasn't, um, I couldn't accept myself by society standards because I was different. Okay. Um, so that was a big one. Um, but then after that, years later, once I understood the whole dynamics of um, thought, emotion, feeling, word creates reality, um, I felt a lot more sense of accountability, responsibility, and my health was really good for a long time. And then I plummeted. And so this happened about three years ago, I had something that kind of had started up and it was kind of aggregate. Like it had, it was stuff that was just like unresolved emotions, unresolved anger and resentment about things that just never got loved and nurtured and looked at. And so it was just years of just not tending to that garden mm -hmm. and not realizing that I wasn't tending to that garden that really like had me just like crash head first into the floor. Um, and as a mama of two, um, being unable to function, having episodes where I thought I was having a heart attack, where I thought I might've been dying. Like I had vertigo so severely, like I could barely walk at some points. It was, it was very gnarly and not in a good way. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I'm just asking, I'm like, like, God, creator source, you know, I'm like so devoted to you. I spend all day, every waking moment, like, you know, teaching people about how transformational this relationship with you is, you know, and all the, and I'm just like, what do I, what am I missing? What am I not seeing that I need to see? And so, you know, I came up with a lot of dead ends at first. And then finally, there was this point where, um, I was doing this sort of like immersive ritual bath where I was just like letting it all go intentionally. And I'm like, okay, I'm letting it all go. And I just asked God to, um, embody every cell of my being, like any part of me that was resisting or not accepting that relationship with the divine, just fully surrendering and allowing that to take over. And that same voice comes in and says, Aurora, will you trust me? 
won't you trust me? This is just like my mom's experience. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yes. And this voice says, what urge will you give into? The divine urge or the demi urge? And I'm like, I know I've heard that word before, but I'm not super familiar with it. I need to, I, I need to like, you know, check it out. And the voice goes, it's okay. I know you want to look it up. I'll wait. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh my gosh, there's humor here too. So I go and I look it up and I have this fully immersive experience, this aha moment where God is basically showing me that, um, that the demi-urge is like, it's like the Maya. Some people talk about it as the Maya, the world of illusion, or the Totec call it the mitote, or there's an uh, indigenous tribe, I forget which, which tribe it is, they refer to it as the Watiko or the virus of the mind. There's like different words for this sort of like, there's some of it that's sort of like this insidious thing that makes us believe that we're something other than whole, perfect, and complete. You know, yeah. and um, and so there was like, you know, do you want to be attached to this idea that you're temporary, that you're fleeting, that you are um, mortal? Or do you want to believe in the divine inheritance that I've given you? That is the truth of your nature and watch how fast you can heal. And I'm like, yes, yes, I want that, please. So one of the symptoms that had happened was during that time, I had developed a numerous amount of food sensitivities, like across the board. Like I was eating salads, like I couldn't eat fruit, like I couldn't eat grains, no sugar, milk, meat. Like I was just so limited in what I was able to consume. And, um, and what was happening was is that if I would eat something that wasn't resonating with my body, I would get these like severe reactions of eczema, like all over my hand. So I wasn't able to practice body work for like two years because my hand was cracking and like shrinking. And I thought, I'm like, is this MS? And, you know, like I go, I went through the motions of trying to name it, trying to figure it out and trying to call it all of these things. And I'm like, I just want to know what it is. And I had done, you know, I had done some blood tests and had, you know, different, different tests done with the naturopath and dead end, dead end, dead end. And, um, and spirits like Aurora, you can continue doing all the tests that you want, but you're not going to find anything. And I'm like, why, what, I don't get it. And, it, and the voice is like, because this is a virus of the mind. Mm. This isn't real. This is not real. You are creating every little bit of this. And that was the message for like everybody and everything. And so, you know, when we relate to that, when we relate that to everything that everyone's been experiencing for the last two years and some change, that's a big, you know, metaphorical pill to swallow. And it doesn't mean that we don't suffer. We absolutely can mm -hmm. choose into suffering. Yes. But we don't realize that that's what we're doing when we're doing it. Usually that's why we call them unconscious patterns or unconscious beliefs. And it's all about stepping into these new agreement fields that are paradigm busting, that are letting go of all the stuff that's not the truth so that we reveal that beautiful hidden gem within. 
And so let me tell you, after that ritual bath, after that conversation that ignited many, many conversations, you know, and I know like there's, you know, the Neil Donald Walsh book, um, conversations with God. Yeah. It's very, it's like direct connection, communication. And if we're open and if we're willing, and if we trust that what we're receiving is actually truth, Mm -hmm. the kinds of messages that come through are just astounding. So let me tell you, I wake up the next morning and what was like cracking, bleeding, shrinking, like I thought I was going to have scars on my hand for the rest of my life. I woke up the next morning and my hand was smooth soft, perfectly healed. Now, all of my symptoms that I had been experiencing didn't go away overnight, Mm -hmm. but that was like enough of a message of spirit to go. Now, do you see? Here's your proof. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So I would say that that's probably one of the most incredible experiences that I've had Um, in that way and knowing that it's all connected. So these experiences with these, you know, ET or angelic beings are really just these extensions of ourselves. They're really just these expressions um, and these sort of archetypes of the divine at work, just with these beautiful different gifts and treasures that they share. Yeah. I think that's so important for you to share, for everyone to hear. Um, so, yeah, thank you so, so much. <laughs> so, yeah, my pleasure. Fortunately, we are out of time. And again, I would totally love to have you on again at some point because, again, there's so many other things to talk about and um, expressions. So if you want to just quickly tell people like how, if they're interested in working with you, do you do remote work or is it only in-person kind of work? And like, how do you like working with clients? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I work both in person. I'm in the Western North Carolina area. um, And I also do a lot of remote work. So I do intuitive sessions with people where we just kind of tune in together and I help guide you into a trance state where we are able to kind of tune in to the truth of your being, identify um, the core root of what's showing up for you, whether it's, you know, personal inner stuff, relationship stuff, um, physical body stuff, things that you want to manifest, you know, challenges, whatever. Um, And, and find out how to sort of like untie that knot that's sort of holding you back and to move beyond that. So I do that type of work with people. I love doing the hypnosis work. It's so much fun um, because again, it's like that reawakening of the Oracle, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like remembering how to open those channels and to dive into that truth within. So all of these answers get to come from you from the inside out which is so, it's just so beautiful to watch and, and to, you know, just to be yeah. a witness to the whole thing. One of my favorite things too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I also um, love doing sound healing. And so I'll do many different offerings periodically. I'm in the process of launching all of my music up on my website. So that will be there shortly. Um, that can be found under um, divinealchemytempleartscom Okay. And 
when we get off, you can put that website into the comments on the Facebook pages. And yeah, so check that out. So then for people who are who are remote, what kind of work do you do? Do you do the hypnosis remotely or? Yep. So bo- both of those things I do remotely, the intuitive sessions and um, the hypnosis. I also do body work and energy work in person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you happen to be in the area or coming through, just make sure you reach out ahead of time. Um, that way we have plenty of time to plan and all of that. Um, and I also am going to be stepping into the world of retreats and stuff like that pretty soon. So if that's something that calls to you, um, please stay connected and just check up either with me on Facebook, Aurora Seraphin, or actually my Facebook name is Aurora Isa Seraphin. So, um, or just go directly to my website and you'll be able to find all the information there. Excellent. Yeah. So definitely, um, check her out. I've got a few few people in North Carolina that actually do regularly watch this. So we'll see oh, cool. if we contact you. So speaking of retreats, um, I just want to make an announcement again to everyone watching that my next retreat here in Hawaii is October 13th to the 16th. It's here on the big island in Waikoloa Village. And it's a galactic experience. So we are going to be diving deep into the realm of what we've been talking about of like learning how to connect and soften your focus and to remote view and call them in, do night sky watches, all of that amazing stuff. Yes. (laughs) So, um, so I have 10 spots only available for that. It is co-ed. So male or female, um, come on over to Hawaii and experience that. And then I also have my sacred soul Kona retreat, um, in April of next year. And that is for women only, six spots only for that one. So if either of those speak to you, then now's the time to um, reserve your spot. So Aurora, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you everyone who took the time to watch this, either live or on the replay. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Aloha. Aloha.